Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, We've all been on the road to Emmaus like those two disciples that first Easter night. Maybe you're even on that road right now. It's the road of disappointment and dashed hopes. The road of fear and uncertainty. When your mind is filled with more questions than there are answers. And it's a, it's a hard place to be. We travel that road in our everyday lives. Ever since we were small children, we've had these big hopes and dreams for our lives. What we're going to be when we grow up, what, uh, what house we're going to buy, the spouse we're going to marry, the children we're going to have, the car we're going to drive, the career we're going to have, the difference we're going to go out and make in the world. And then we find ourselves on that road to Emmaus. Things just didn't work out as we planned. They, things weren't as easy as we thought they'd be. People we thought would help us were instead working against us. And then there's death and sadness. And so instead of skipping along life's paths, we're shuffling down the road, heavy laden, wondering about life. We get on that road in our spiritual lives as well. We want to tell others about our Savior. We look forward to learning more about God's Word, growing in God's Word, making a difference in this world. It all started with great hopes and, and dreams. And then we find ourselves on the road to Emmaus. Things didn't work out like we thought they would. We find out that faith is hard. The church is, is not full of perfect people, but of sinners like you and me. One day our faith seems to be growing. The next, we're filled with all these kinds of doubts and fears. And so instead of skipping along, we're shuffling down that road, heavy laden and wondering about our faith. Yes, we've all been on that road to Emmaus. You may be on that road now, or maybe you were in the past, or maybe you were, will in the future. But that other disciple walking to Emmaus with Cleopas is you. For those two disciples walking to Emmaus that night had one thing on their mind. And that was the cross. They looked at what had happened. They compared that to what they'd been hoping for. And they came to this conclusion. The cross ruined everything. If it hadn't been for the cross, things would have been great. And you know, we kind of think the same way too sometimes. When a burden or challenge comes into our lives. When our hopes and dreams meet the detours of trials and failures and suffering. When sin comes crashing down upon us and weighs down on us and we make the wrong choices or we become unwilling pawns in someone else's game. When it's, it seems that things are slipping further and further out of control. And we wonder at those times if God sees or knows or even cares we look at what has happened and we compare it to what we'd been hoping for. And we sinfully come to the conclusion that God ruined everything. We sinfully think things like, well, he could have made things different. The crosses aren't what I wanted. 
If only God would take them away or, or do what I want or give me what I ask for, then, then things would be great. But the thing we need to remember is that God's will is perfect. He won't follow our sinful will because it's what we want or what we think is best. He simply loves us too much to indulge in our sin, our idolatry. He loves us too much to raise for himself spoiled children. And so Jesus came to those two doubting and and disappointed disciples and he showed them how the cross was not a surprise. It was not life spinning further out of control, but rather the cross was necessary. The cross was good. His death was necessary, not for ruin, but for good. Not to shatter hope, but to give hope, true hope. That the cross was not the defeat that it appeared, but it was rather a part of God's plan of victory. Victory over sin, death, and the devil. The plan that was revealed from the very beginning, the plan that he had been speaking of and accomplishing all through the Old Testament. The plan and victory sealed and accomplished in his resurrection that very morning. And as he opened up the scriptures to them there, and they listened, their hearts were burning. Because they didn't quite get it yet. They were thick-headed and slow-hearted, just like we so often are. Because when you're on that road, when you're in the thick of the struggle, it's very easy to hear the words, but it's very hard to believe. Because things look and feel and seem so very bad. So contrary to what we're hearing and what we expect. But is the problem what we're hearing or what we expect? And so on the road to Emmaus, Jesus teaches those disciples and unpacks the word of God. In the reading we had from Acts, Peter does the same thing to those listening to him preach. So that instead of condemning God and turning to ourselves... We would condemn ourselves and turn to God. And that right there is repentance. And that instead of relying on our own wisdom and expectations, we would rely on him and his word. And that is faith. And only in repentance and faith do we have life. True life, eternal life. And you see, Satan doesn't want you to have that life. And so he makes life look like death and death look like life to lead us away from our Savior. And you know what? He's pretty good at it. He's had a little bit of practice. And so he tries to convince us that we really don't want to live as Christians. He says, uh, he lies to us and says that uh, if you're going to live as a Christian, you're just going to get walked on. He lies to us and says that the church robs us of life. It it doesn't give us life. He says, you know, you have enough to do without the church or, or anyone or anything else adding to your burden. And so he makes the Easter road look like death. And he says, so now just go out and live. Do your own thing. Don't let anyone constrain you. Be all that you can be and and get what you can, because if you don't, someone else will. But is that life? Is that really life and endless chasing after pleasures? Everyone for himself or herself? Is that really living? I mean, think about it. 
whatever you may accomplish in this life, whatever plans and, and glory you may achieve, whatever goals you reach and pleasures you attain, it's all going to end in death, sooner or later. It's as Peter told us in, in the epistle reading, all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. And then what? But so that we may have life, true life, eternal life, Jesus came. In his cross and the crosses and struggles of our lives, and if his cross and the, and, and the crosses and struggles in our lives look backwards or, or upside down, it isn't because God and his ways are backwards. It's because we are. It's because sin has so twisted us and Satan has so misled and, and deceived us that our thinking and our expectations are wrong. God's not upside down. We are. We think that life is death and death is life. We think we're good and God is bad. We think we know all about the things and, and what we need and that God doesn't have a clue. That's what we think. And you know where that thinking puts us? It puts us on the road to Emmaus. The road of disappointment and despair, of fear and uncertainty. The road of death. But the walk down the Easter road shows us that God specializes in raising the dead. He's not content just to let us go and, and let us die, but that he has come to do something about it. And so he comes and he takes our death-dealing sins, that their guilt would be on him and not on us. He dies our death to destroy the power of death. He will not let Satan have his way with us, but he has come to rescue us. And all this he does through his cross, transforming its shame into glory, its death into life, that all who are joined to him would also be transformed, would be raised from death to life and made partakers of his glory and his life. What blessed comfort the resurrection of Christ gives to us. His eternal life now lives in his be baptized believers. Born of this imperishable seed, you, like Jesus, live. And your work in him, like his work, is not in vain. But you know what? Our story doesn't end there. There's one more thing that sealed the deal, so to speak, for those two troubled disciples. Jesus fed them. And it wasn't just that they recognized him because they recognized what he was doing, the words and actions. It was that through this meal, their eyes were opened. His word and teaching and life took concrete form in this eating and drinking and completed his work in them. And brothers and sisters in Christ, the very same thing is true in us. For the same risen Lord who baptizes us and joins us to himself and his death and resurrection who forgives our sins and raises us to life, wants also to feed us. And not just with any food, but with his very own body and blood. To give us the faith, forgiveness, and strength that we need for this journey, for this life. And so he fills not just our ears and eyes, but also our mouths with himself. 
so that we don't grow weary and lose heart, but rather receive from him all that we need for body and soul. Receiving him and his life until we join him at the feast where he will never leave and we will never leave. The feast of heaven, the feast that has no end. Until then, we go back. We go back like those two disciples, back out into the world, back out into our lives. And we do so with good news. To love and serve and proclaim the life that's been given to us. Because there are so many looking for life. So many people around us, especially now in this time of the pandemic. There are so many people walking that Easter road to Emmaus, frightened and alone, dismayed and, and burdened in life, overwhelmed with everything that's going on. So many people are asking, what should we do? And perhaps it's through us that Jesus will go to them and, and give them hope. Perhaps it's through us that Jesus will raise them and give them life. Perhaps it's through you that they will hear what they've never heard before. That like those two disciples on the road, and like Peter, we may proclaim the good news that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And that he is here. He is here for all people abiding with us as we walk the Easter road. Amen. <laughs>